Hello, and welcome to this special edition of MLB Morning Coffee. This is your host, Greg Marads, coming to you from the Ocean Avenue Studios in San Francisco, California. Because Major League Baseball is on hold due to the coronavirus, and there's really not a whole lot of news to report other than injuries, we've decided to go into a 30-part series. What 30-part series, might you ask? Well, a 30-part series that gives the top 10 players of every Major League Baseball franchise. The next of our top 10 lists is another expansion franchise, the Arizona Diamondbacks. Like the Rays, they were founded in 1998, but unlike Tampa Bay, experienced immediate success. They won their first NL West title in 1999 and won the World Series in 2001. They made the playoffs in 2002, 2007, 2011, and most recently in 2017. And while the Diamondbacks are a franchise that has been around just over 20 years, they have had some figures that have made a big impact on their franchise, some that will end up going to the Hall of Fame someday. Joining me now is a former intern for Fox Sports Arizona. She is one of my absolute best friends in this industry. She is going to be an absolute star one day. She went to the University of Arizona, was a cheerleader there, interned at Fox Sports Arizona, one of my colleagues at Pac-12 Network. It is Alex Eshelman. Alex, what is going on today, buddy? How are you? Greg, you are too kind to say all of those nice things about me. I am definitely not an expert or a star by any means. I'm just learner from the best, you included. Um, And thank you for having me. I'm so excited to talk a little Diamondbacks with you today. Absolutely. Now, you're from Sacramento, which is a little bit north and east of the Ocean Avenue Studios here in San Francisco. Yes. And you were a Giants fan growing up, but you had a chance to intern at Fox Sports Arizona while you were a student at the University of Arizona, which you had to drive up there how often? Because Tucson and Phoenix are not that close together. What's it, about an hour and a half drive? Hour and a half to two hours. It's a pretty easy drive. I will say, though, it's through the desert. It can get a little boring. Um, It's just a straight shot from Tucson to Phoenix, but it's not boring if there's a beautiful sunset. I will tell you that. Arizona has hands down some of the best sunsets I've ever seen. Um, So, yeah, I suggest uh, driving towards that time of day if you're going to make that drive. But So the interesting thing, Greg, I was fortunate enough to have the internship over summer. So I moved up to Phoenix for the summertime um, with actually some ASU folks. Uh, So even though we are complete enemies from the athletic standpoint, they were awesome. It was a great experience, not only from that standpoint, but more importantly, uh, from working with Fox Sports Arizona. I mean, Jody Jackson, Todd Walsh. I was able to work with Mark Grace, who was a commentator, and Brandon Webb. Both of those guys, obviously, we'll talk about them a little bit uh, later into the podcast. But both of those, all four of those guys, and and then everybody else who works um, for that regional network, I absolutely love and respect and appreciate. Um, and they, I mean, it was such a fun experience. It, it just doesn't get much better than being able to be at Chase Field um, uh, with all the Diamondbacks players on the field, getting a little social media action with them and and um, just getting to know them. And Paul Goldschmidt was there when I was there. It, it just, it was an incredible experience. I think anytime you have an opportunity to be around a major league ballpark, it's a great experience. I yeah. certainly know that 
from my time in the minor leagues, every time I get to go to the ballpark, there's something new and exciting to be found. And, and I sincerely hope that anybody that has the opportunities like you have would cherish the most out of them. So I wanted to bring you on today to talk about the Diamondbacks because they're an interesting franchise. They are an expansion franchise, one of the most two recent expansion franchises. We don't count the Washington Nationals because they were the Expos. They just changed names and moved cities. But it's an interesting top 10 list because you have a lot of guys that made a big impact on the back end of their careers in the early 2000s. -hmm. And now you have this new wave of Diamondbacks where they've acquired a lot of really top prospect guys through trades, and they could be on the upswing once again. But there are not a ton of recent guys, at least on my list. There are a couple in particular. But, you know, the Diamondbacks have had a really interesting lifespan because they were great when they first started off. Then they mm-hmm. had a lull a couple of years after that one World Series. Then they came back in 07, a lull again. They made it to playoffs again in 2011, and then 2017, they were once again in the playoffs. So a really interesting franchise, and are you ready to start the top 10 list, Alex? Absolutely. Let's do it, Greg. All right. So the way we're going to do this, like we've done with our other top 10 guests, it's going to be my number 10, your number 10, and then we'll just keep moving on down the line. So my number 10 is A.J. Pollock, the recently departed Diamondback center fielder. Pollock was a one-time All-Star in 2015. He won the Gold Glove that season. In his seven years with the D-backs, he hit 281 with 74 homers, 264 RBI, stole 108 bases. In that 2015 season, he stole 39 bases, hit 20 homers, drove in 76 runs, hit 315 with a 367 on base percentage. Pollock was inconsistent in terms of his health but he was always an impact player when he actually did play. So 2013, his first full season hit 269 with a 322 on base percentage. His last year with the Diamondbacks, career high in home runs with 21. He only hit 257, but a 316 on base. It was a big part of that Diamondbacks team in 2017 that won the wild card. Alex, I'm sure that you'll have Pollock somewhere on your list, but who is your number 10? We talked about this before um, before we got on this podcast, and one of our many players that we had in common, I also had A.J. Pollock as my 10th ranked pick. Pollock, to me, is very interesting because I think about him as a player of almost what could have been, like you said, with his only you know full season with the Diamondbacks in 2015. He, he was an all-star. He was a Golden Glove winner, uh, put up some great numbers. Um, and actually, when I interned um, at Fox Sports Arizona, AJ was there. And he was just as cool as a cucumber um, and was, I don't want to say... Obviously, he wasn't consistent because of the injury, um, the injuries that he he had to go through, unfortunately. But to me, he is clearly an extremely talented player. And for the short time that he was healthy with the Diamondbacks, he made a huge impact um, and the fans loved him. I think that it says a lot about A.J. Pollock's abilities that he signed the type of contract that he did with the Dodgers, given that he didn't have a lot of healthy seasons with the Diamondbacks. So mm-hmm. I echo your point there 1,000%. Yeah. 
Number nine on my list is one of my absolute favorite baseball people. He is currently the manager of the Milwaukee Brewers, but was a part of the Diamondbacks 2001 World Series team, one of the funkiest batting stances of all time. It's Craig Council. Now, Council played for five different major league teams, but he spent six of his 16 years in the big leagues with the Diamondbacks. Over those six years, he had 266 with a 348 on base percentage, 24 homers, and 193 RBI. Council's 2001 season, he hit 275 with a 359 on base, 38 RBI, was a good defensive second baseman. Never was anybody that was going to be an elite type player, but always was a dependable guy in the lineup. Always could count on him to get on base. His best season with the Diamondbacks was probably in 2005 when he played 150 games. Career high in homers with nine, had 42 runs batted in. Council was just your solid second baseman. A big leaguer that you could depend on to play a solid second base, be at the top of the lineup, do all the little things. And I'm pretty positive that the Diamondbacks aren't as good as they are in 2001 without the impact (laughs) that Council had. And the numbers are not eye-popping by any stretch of the imagination, but I put him on number nine on my list because he was a fan favorite because of that funky batting stance because Mm -hmm. of the type of grit and grind that he played with. I like that, Greg. I like that. And I, I like how you brought, you know, a a little fun fact about him with his funky, his funky uh, stance. I, for my number nine, I had Justin Upton. He signed with the Diamondbacks in 2006, 19 years old. And I chose him because Upton holds the record of the most games played in right field with 436 for the Diamondbacks. Um, And then in 2011, which was arguably his best season with Arizona, he had the single best best single season of uh, batting runs with 32.8, and he also won a Silver Slugger Award. He overall, to me, stood out as one of the more powerful players that the Diamondbacks have had um, in their franchise. Um, so yeah, he was my, he was my number nine. I think it's interesting with Justin Upton. I didn't have him on my list. I would put him as an honorable mention just because I don't automatically think of him as a diamondback because he's played a lot of different places. He's played with the Tigers. He's played with the angels. He's played Mm -hmm. with the Braves. I just don't think of him as that quintessential diamondback, but yes, like when you talk about somebody that started his career there and was a big impact guy while he was there. Absolutely, it was Justin Upton, but, you know, I didn't necessarily think of him as, you know, an elite Diamondback. But you know what? One of the great things about having a discussion like this, Alex, is that there's variance. We can disagree in these types of things. It's uh, it's certainly one of those things where, you know, it's fun to compare. You know, nobody's list is going to be the same. And you know what? I didn't realize this. Upton was the first overall pick in the 2005 MLB draft. So for him to have a brother like B.J. Upton, I know his name is Melvin Upton Jr. now, but Mm -hmm. to have B.J. Upton be as good of a player as he was and then Justin Upton be better. Right. I mean, I think that uh, shows a lot about the talent in that family. Absolutely. But like you said, we are going to agree to uh, disagree on some of these. Um, but I, I say we go to number eight. I think number eight's going to be a goodie. I like number eight as well. And my number eight, I think that he would have been in the top five 
if he had had a longer career, and that's Brandon Webb. Brandon Webb was one of the elite starting pitchers in all of baseball when he was healthy. Webb in 2006 won the Cy Young Award. He led the National League with 16 wins, had a 310 ERA, pitched 235 innings, five complete games, and three shutouts. He had the best FIP in the National League, which is Fielder's Independent Pitching Percentage, which is a metric that effectively is your ERA with what is rated as an average defense. It's very much a super advanced sabermetric stat, and quite frankly, I don't even know how it's calculated, so I'm not even going to (laughs) bother explaining it to anybody. Follows it up the next year, finishing second in the Cy Young voting, goes 18-10 and with a 236, or rather, pitched 236 innings, had a 301 ERA, and the year after that, he finishes second, in the Cy Young voting again in 2008, 22-7 record, led all of Major League Baseball in wins, a 330 ERA, 226 innings. Then the next year he makes one start, gets hurt, and he never pitches in the big leagues again. So Brandon Webb was an elite starting pitcher when he was healthy. And with the exception of that 2009 season where he only made one start, Webb had an ERA under 3.6 every year from 2003 to 2008. He was a three-time All-Star from 06 to 08 and somebody that helped the Diamondbacks in their NLS title in 2007. You know what, Alex? I mean, Brandon Webb is somebody that was elite when he was healthy and another, like what you said with Pollock, what could have been if he had stayed healthy. Definitely. I actually have Brandon um, up closer, uh, up a little higher in my top 10. Um, and I'll talk a little bit more about that, uh, when I get there. Um, but all of your points I completely agree with. And again, I'll talk about Webb in a little bit, but my number eight was Miguel Montero, or should I call him Miggy, uh, born and raised in Venezuela and didn't speak English when he signed with the Diamondbacks and, and came to America. Um, so first of all, huge respect for him. Um, in that regard, I think that's amazing and obviously not an easy thing to do. Um, but of course he learned English as he got there, um, as he got to Arizona and, and made his way with the Diamondbacks. So yeah, he got his start in 2001 with Arizona and made his MLB debut in 2006. He was a two-time MLB all-star as a Diamondback. And then in 2011, he threw out a career high of 40% of base runners trying to steal, he was traded to the Cubs in 2014, and then he later won a World Series with them um, in 2016. So Miguel Montero, number eight on your list. And sorry, there's a little bit of a frog in my throat at this point. <laughs> I don't know exactly where that. That's OK, Greg. I don't know exactly where that came from, but we're going to go on to number seven here. We are with Alex Eshelman, my colleague at Pac-12 Network and a former intern at Fox Sports Arizona. She was a cheerleader at the University of Arizona. And before I get to number seven, did uh, did your cheer squad ever go up to any Diamondbacks games or did you ever actually cheer at any baseball games? Because I just have to say, like, there are certain sports where I think that a cheer squad is a part of the atmosphere. Baseball, to me, was never a part of that. But did you ever cheer at any baseball games? Absolutely. So what we did um, during my four years as an Arizona cheerleader, we had many appearances. And so what those were is um, people would request for either our entire team or just a couple of our teammates to 
attend one of their events. And one of the events that we attended and cheered at every year was a Diamondbacks game that was themed specifically for University of Arizona alumni, students, fans, etc. Um, and they had that for ASU as well. I be- I want to say they had one for NAU or um, or oh gosh, I'm forgetting the the other college. Um, it's in Glendale. Anyway, so so um, Grand Canyon. Grand Canyon. Yes. Thank GCU. GCU. Excuse me. Um, and, and it, that is not in Glendale. So just scratch that entire thing. But anyway, so we went up there for a university of Arizona event. Um, and we were on the field and got to throw out baseballs to the fans and interact with the diamondbacks players. It was a really, really fun experience. Um, and, another reason why I love the Diamondbacks. I love Chase Field. It's just a really special place. I think that anybody that has an experience with a big league team or with a big league ballpark, it makes a big impact on them. Like I know that my time working with a Milwaukee Brewers affiliate and having the Brewers be in the hunt in 2018 and making it all the way to the NLCS, like I became the biggest Brewer fan. I was listening to Brewers broadcasts and I actually have a Bob Euchre alarm clock that used to wake me up every morning. It's at my parents' house, but <laughs> it was Bob Euchre. Uh, have you ever watched Major League, by the way, Alex? I have a little bit, Greg, a little bit. So you know the broadcaster in Major League, right? Yes. So that's a real-life broadcaster. That is Bob Euchre. That's fantastic. Yes, and at some point I'm going to do a top 10 broadcaster rankings, but uh, I – Hopefully, hopefully we're going to be playing baseball games again pretty soon uh, and we can actually talk about real baseball. But on to number seven. And okay. my number seven is somebody that you said during our pre-show meeting that you had a chance to interact with, and that is Mark Grace. Now, Mark Grace only played three years with the Diamondbacks, but he had a huge impact while he was there. In 2001, he hit 298. 15 homers, 78 RBI, had a 386 on base percentage in 2002. It's 252, but a 351 on base, 48 RBI. Only plays 66 games in 2003. Now, why is Grace up there? Because he had a great career as a whole. He was actually number nine on my all-time Cubs list because he played 13 of his 16 years in the major leagues with the Chicago Cubs. But Grace was a huge part of that 2001 World Series team and on the 2002 wildcard team. So for me, because of the fact that he made that type of an impact in a winning culture, that's why he's number seven on my list. I love that, Greg. I think everything you said about Gracie is absolutely true. And he is up on my list as well. Again, a little bit higher, kind of like Brandon Webb. And I will get uh, into more detail about Gracie, but one of my all-time favorite uh, people that I got to work with as an intern with Fox Sports Arizona. He has a fantastic personality and always made me feel welcome. I'll go, I'll get more into detail, but for my number seven, I had Goldie. Um, And going back to my internship, thankfully he was there during that time. And let me just tell you, he was so loved um, when he was traded uh, to the Cardinals, it 
it was a sad day for a lot of Arizona Diamondbacks fans. I mean, I remember seeing little kids. There were little videos that they would send to us of kids crying that Goldie wasn't going to be there anymore. And he was a beautiful human being. Um, And in addition to that, in his eight seasons with Arizona, Goldschmidt hit 209 home runs, 237 doubles, and drove in 710 runs. Um, He was also a six straight all-star, made six straight all-star appearances from uh, 2013 to 2018, um, as well as uh, winning three Golden Gloves and four Silver Slugger Awards. Um, Mark Grace, actually, it's funny that he was your seventh pick because he called Goldie um, the Jesus. He said he's Jesus Christ in a baseball uniform, which I love because he was so majestic on the on the baseball field, um, so calm, all about the team, um, and just a true leader for the Diamondbacks. Everybody looked up to him, um, whether it were fans or the players. Um, he was just a prime example of what a major league baseball player should be and just an overall person. I think one of the best players of this generation and somebody that San Francisco Giants fans always hated seeing coming to the plate because they knew it was going to spell bad news for Los Gigantes. And now as a Cardinal, he's a part of one of the all-time franchises in St. Louis. Uh, One of the best franchises of all time, I should say second most world series of any franchise in baseball history. And I think that, the Diamondbacks letting him go was a questionable decision, but at the same time, they made it because they figured they were going to have to pay him more than they wanted to and figured they would rebuild from the ground up. But anywho, we're going to move on to number six. Number six on my list is Matt Williams. He just missed out on our top 10 San Francisco Giants, but Williams was an original Diamondback. He started with the team in 1998 until his career ended in 2003. Williams had some fantastic years with the D-backs. In that 98 season, hit 267, 20 homers, 71 driven in. He had an amazing year in 1999. He finished third in the MVP voting, hit 35 homers, 142 RBI, hit 303 with a 344 on-base percentage. Only played 96 games in 2000, but in 2001, he played 106 games, hit 275, 16 homers, 65 RBI only played a combined 104 games over his final two years in the bigs. But the reason why Williams is as high as he is, is number one, he had a great big league career, but number two, for somebody that was on the backside of his career, when he joined the Diamondbacks, he spent six years with them, which I put the longevity factor for a team that's not that old in high regard in this scenario, because Williams was a part of that team that made the playoffs in 99. He was a part of the team that won the World Series in 2001, made the playoffs in 2002. So for Williams, while his numbers weren't eye-popping with the Diamondbacks, actually, when you look at him, he had a 278 average in six years with the D-backs with 99 of his 378 career homers. I think a lot of people consider him to be one of the original franchise D-backs, and I know a lot of Giants fans consider him to be a lifetime San Francisco Giant, so somebody that had a huge impact on both franchises. Absolutely. I actually have Matt Williams up um, in my top three. I don't know if you agree with that or not. Obviously, kind of not since he's number six for you. Um, But I'll go in uh, 
into more detail about why he's in my top three. But for now, number six for me is Brandon Webb. I know that you've talked about him. And before I get into the stats, I just want to talk about him as an overall person when I was interning at Fox Sports Arizona. Again, next to Mark Grace, one of my all-time favorite people I got to work with there. First of all, love his accent. He's from Kentucky, went to University of Kentucky. He is a true, true country boy. Um, and just, you could tell he was a family man. He loved his family. He had a daughter. We, we had a, a lot of in common in terms of he is a daughter who was an amazing dancer. And, and um, I got to talk to him a little bit about dance and uh, U of A's amazing dance program. Um, and also we have an amazing palm line at U of A. So uh, he was, he was awesome to work with and just another fan favorite, um, for the diamondbacks. Um, but just a little bit about him and why he's my number six. He won the baseball America rookie of the year award in 2003. And then 26, uh, and then in 2006, he was a Cy Young award winner. And then he led the diamondbacks to the playoffs in 2007 as well. Um, as well as he led the national league and wins in 2008. So again, just overall great player and great person. Love his country boy accent and his love for his family. And um, yeah, just a, just another fan favorite for the Diamondbacks, a staple. Yeah, I wish that Brandon Webb's career had been longer than it was because yeah. I feel like we'd be talking about him in a much different light. Uh, but, you know, to know... To know those guys personally, like you had a chance to do, I mean, that is the type of experience that turns us into greater appreciators of what baseball is and how difficult it is to be the elite athlete that we all strive to be or that all of them strive to be. I think Absolutely. it's a really it's an eye opening experience for all of us. One hundred percent. Couldn't agree with you more, Greg. Shall we go to number five? Number five, Steve <laughs> Finley. So Steve Finley is interesting because he never played more than five years with one team. And that one team he played five years with was the Diamondbacks. He played for the Orioles, the Astros, Padres, D-backs, Dodgers, Angels, Giants, Rockies. So he played with every NL West team, which is amazing to me. I think he's the only player in the modern NL West to do that. But Steve Finley had some of his best years with the Diamondbacks. He joined Arizona in 1999. He hit 264 that year. In 2000, he was an all-star, hit 280 with a 361 on-base percentage, made his second all-star team, won his fourth gold glove. In 2001, played 140 games, hit 275. In 2003, he had a career high, or rather had a National League high, 10 triples, hit 22 home runs. Drove in 70 runs. By the way, I failed to mention in 2000, he hit 35 homers with 96 runs batted in. In 99, he hit 34 homers with 103 runs batted in. I think I may have accidentally said that he had 10 homers. I was looking at the triples column and not the home runs column. So he had 34 homers in 99, 35 homers in 2000, 25 in 2002, 22 wow. in 2003. And then his last year, which was split between the Diamondbacks and the Dodgers, he had 36 homers, drove in 94 runs. Steve Finley, for his career with Arizona, hit 278 with 153 of his 304 career homers. 
He was a great defensive outfielder, won five gold gloves in his career in total, including 04 when he split his time between the Diamondbacks and the Dodgers. Steve Finley played a lot of places, but he was a huge contributor on the 01 championship team. And I think when people remember Steve Finley, they remember him mostly as Steve Finley, the Diamondback, and that's why he's number five. Love that, Greg. Obviously a very decorated career for him. Wow. Um, Number five for me is Kurt Schilling, born and raised Arizonan. So first of all, respect to him. I mean, how, what a dream come true to win a world series um, with his home team and home state. Uh, So he was number five for me. And I kind of struggled with this one because I wanted to put him up next to Randy Johnson. Obviously we'll talk about him, but I wanted to put him closer to him um, because he shared the the World Series MVP with Randy, as well as uh, the Sports Illustrated Sportsman of the Year Award that year in 2001. Um, and then he was the first Diamondbacks player to win the Robert Clement and uh, I, I think I pronounced his last name correctly. Uh, Roberto, Roberto Clemente. Clemente. Roberto yeah, Clemente. Roberto, yes, Roberto Clemente. Excuse me. And uh, the Branch Ricky Awards. Um, so to me, a Diamondback pioneer, um, just a guy, again, born and raised in Arizona, had a Cinderella story ending to win a World Series with his home state team. Um, and then to share that World Series MVP award with the one and only Randy Johnson is a pretty, pretty big accomplishment. Um, so he's number five for me. Kurt Schilling is number four for me, and okay. he was elite during his time with the Diamondbacks. He joined the midseason from the Phillies in 2000. In 01, he makes the all-star team, finishes second in the Cy Young voting. In fact, Kurt Schilling never won a Cy Young, but he finished second in the Cy Young voting twice, including 01 and 02 with the Diamondbacks. In 2001, he had a 2980 ERA, went 22-6. He led all of big league baseball in wins. Pitched 256 innings, faced 1,021 batters, and won the World Series MVP along with Randy Johnson in what was some of the best Game 6 and Game 7s in World Series history. In 2002, he follows it up with a 23-7 record, a 323 ERA, 259 innings of work that season for Schilling. Spends 0-3, somewhat injury-riddled with the D-backs, but still posts a 2.95 ERA and then signs with the Red Sox prior to 2004. Schilling was elite during his time in Arizona, and the best performances of his career were when he was with the Diamondbacks. He spent most of his early part of his career with the Phillies and had some good years, but never the type of performances that he did while he was in Arizona, and that's why he's number four for me. He'd probably be a little bit higher if he had spent more of his career with the Diamondbacks, but again, they didn't exist during the first... 10 years of his big league career. So for me, that's why Schilling's number four. Fantastic. Also, I want to correct myself. I do not think that uh, he was not born and raised in Arizona. Um, He was born in Anchorage, Alaska. Yes. Yes. Thank you. But he did go to high school in Arizona. He went to Shadow Mountain High School in Phoenix, and then he went to Yavapai in Prescott, which is one of the best JUCO programs in the entire country. 
that is what I got mixed up. Thank you for correcting me, Greg. I appreciate that. Um, number four for me is Gracie is Mark, the one and only Mark Grace. Um, just a little bit about him and my time with him while interning at Fox Sports Arizona. Every time I would see him, even from the very first day that I met him, he goes, well, hello there, darling. He was always so just uppity and positive and funny and goofy. And you know how it is, Greg, when you, um, when you start anything, whether it's a first job or an internship, um, or a class, uh, or a practice. And you're, you know, you're a little nervous the first couple of days. And he was always a calming energy to me. Um, and always made me feel welcome and always gave me a laugh. So uh, Gracie to me, and again, a huge fan favorite, huge, huge, huge. Everybody loved him. Um, everybody loved his energy. It was, it was very fun to work with him and, and he is a staple at Chase Field. Um, but like you said, he, um, he ultimately, he was one of the key key people in winning the World Series. His single at the top of the ninth inning changed the pace uh, of the game and ultimately uh, helped the Diamondbacks get their win. So Gracie, to me, is is a fan favorite and a Diamondback staple. We are now inside the top three. And number three, this was a tough choice for me because I could have gone either way on either of these two guys. I went Luis Gonzalez number three. Gonzo was somebody that had a good career with the Astros in the first part of his career. But when he came to the Diamondbacks, that's when he really turned into a power hitter. In 1999, he led the National League in hits with 206, hit 336 that year with a 403 on base percentage and made his first all-star game. The next year, by the way, he hit 26 homers and drove in 111 runs that year. He drove in over 100 runs in five straight years with the Diamondbacks, including in 2001, when he set career highs in homers with 57, RBI with 142, finished third in the MVP and won his only silver slugger that year, played in all 162 games, led Major League Baseball with 728 plate appearances and also drew 100 walks. He hit 325 that season with a 429 on base. Obviously, the iconic walk-off single in Game 7 of the World Series that got the Diamondbacks their one and only title follows it up in 2002, hitting 288 with 28 homers, 103 RBI. The next year, 2003, 26 homers, 104 RBI with a 304 average and a 400 on base percentage. He had an on base over 400 in four of his seven years with the Diamondbacks. Sorry, four of his eight years with the Diamondbacks. So he was an on base wow. machine. And. He ended up making five all-star teams in his 19-year big league career, all of them coming during his time with the Diamondbacks, of which he spent eight years. He hit 224 of his 354 career homers in Arizona, a 298 batting average over those games with the D-backs and a 391 on base percentage. He was the elite power hitter of that team of the early 2000s. He is iconic for what he did in the World Series. The numbers back it up, and the success backs it up as well. Luis Gonzalez, number three. He is my number two. I will get to him a little bit later. And I do want to make a statement about my top four. So obviously we haven't gone uh, 
down all the way. But these particular top four, throughout the games at Diamondbacks home games, at the bottom, uh, transitioning from the fifth to the sixth inning, there is something called the League of Leg- or the, the Legends race. Um, and it's my my top four that I can't I can't really explain yet because we haven't gone through all of them. Um, but like I said, Mark Grace and my number three is Matt Williams. You've explained um, him, but they do a really funny race with these huge um, four men dress up in these costumes of these particular four players and wear these huge bobblehead bobbleheads and run around. Um, run around the field. Um, so just a little background as to my top four, uh, and Greg, look it up. It's the legends race. It's hilarious. It's a very fun way to get the fans interacted, um, and get them excited for the sixth inning. So anyway, just a little background. Number three for me, Matt Williams, you've explained him. Um, and, you almost want to give him the number. I'm. I feel like I'm being too nice in some aspects because I want to give him the number one in some way because he's a day one Diamondback. He signed with the team after a post expansion trade in 1997, um, and he ties Gonzo for the most RBIs in a single season with 142, and that was before Gonzo. Uh, tied him for that that record so he held that record first and foremost Matt Williams again to me um, obviously one of the best MLB players in our time um, and is a state is another staple to the Diamondbacks he's a day one Diamondback and I think what a lot of people don't realize is that Randy Johnson was not a day one Diamondback Johnson came to the team in 1999 he was actually part of the Mariners and the Astros in 1998 so and by the way when you talk about the legends race a lot of teams have done that I really like the one that the Oakland A's did with uh, Catfish Hunter Raleigh Fingers and Ricky Henderson I know that the I think the White Sox did it for a while with their 83 legends race they had Bill Melton and Ron Kittle can't remember a couple of the other guys that they had on there, but they were all dressed up in their throwback unis. So those races are always really fun. I've always been curious to see what it'd be like inside one of those suits. I couldn't agree more. Those those bobbleheads that they have to wear, they look very heavy. And being able to, you know, run as fast as you can around the field, that's that's quite the workout, Greg. Yeah, the uh, the sweat factor in those suits is uh, <laughs> off the charts. And uh, that that's a way, if you want to get a good workout in, obviously not right now because we're sheltering in place, but if you want to get a good workout in, go dress up in a mascot suit and go out for a jog. I guarantee you, you'll sweat more than you've ever sweated in your life. But, and uh, in Arizona, to boot. Oh, On a geez. hot summer day. Actually, I don't recommend that. That is That is a safety and health hazard. Do not do that. Um, but yes, that would be, uh, in terms of a good workout, uh, a hot, warm Arizona summer day in a mascot suit. Uh, that sounds like quite the experience. Yeah. I don't think I would sign up for that, but anyway, (laughs) me neither. Number two for me is Paul Goldschmidt. The reason I have Goldie up as high as I do is that 
I think he's one of the elite power hitters in the game today. Spent his first eight years with the Diamondbacks. He hit over 30 homers four different times in a D-backs uniform. He had over 100 RBI three different times in a D-backs uniform. His best season came in 2013, his third year in the bigs, his first all-star team. In 160 games, he hit 36 homers, drove in 125 runs, which led the NL in both categories, hit 302 with a 401 on-base percentage, a 551 slugging percentage, finished second in the MVP, won the Gold Glove, won the Silver Slugger Award. He made six consecutive All-Star teams from 2013 to 2018, finished second in the MVP voting in 2015. And here's the most impressive stat about him. He led Major League Baseball with 129, or rather, sorry, with 29 intentional walks that season, had a career-high 118 walks that year, and then the following year in 2016, he had 110 walks, which led all of Major League Baseball. In five of his eight years with the Diamondbacks, he had at least 90 walks, and that's why he had four different years of an on-base percentage over 400. Wow. Yep, Goldie is, um, he's a five-star player and person. Number two for me, though, is Gonzo. Um, You've already explained him, but he is the Diamondbacks' all-time offensive leader, and he hit the game-winning single at the bottom of the ninth to win the World Series for the Diamondbacks in 2001. And again, I know I've, repeated this with a lot of the players but if we're talking about a fan favorite not only is he a fan favorite he is the state of Arizona he he is a staple in all the state of Arizona he's going to go down obviously he already has in the history books um, not only for the state but for major league baseball Um, and he I believe I want to say he he works he's very high up in the front office at the Diamondbacks. I want to say he was the president at one point. Um I don't know his his exact position at this point, uh but he was at all the games and was obviously not playing but still a very prominent part of all my entire time at Chase Field. Um so Gonzo to me is number 2 on the list. So he is actually, at this point, the special assistant to the president of the team. So that is his title with them. And number one on our list, I think we should collaborate and do this conversation together. Love it. It's pretty obvious. It's Randy Johnson. Because Randy Johnson was an elite starting pitcher, a future Hall of Famer. Sorry, not a future Hall of Famer. He is a Hall of Famer. He was inducted on the first ballot in 2015. Had 303 career wins. He actually finished his career with the San Francisco Giants. He had two different stints with the Diamondbacks from 1999 to 2004 when he made six or sorry, five all-star teams. And then in 2007 and 2008, the big unit, as he's affectionately known, led the league in ERA three different times during his first stint with the Diamondbacks, led all of Major League Baseball in ERA in 2001. Randy Johnson had 17, 19, 21, 24 wins from 1999 to 2002, all all-star appearances. He pitched over 240 innings in all four of those seasons. He led all of Major League Baseball and had a career-high 271 innings in 1999. 
He won the Cy Young Award four straight years from 99 to 2002. He won five total Cy Youngs in his career and finished second in the Cy Young voting three times. So Randy Johnson, while he did play for the Mariners for the first part of his career and had a couple of years with the Yankees, sure, he was the best Diamondbacks pitcher of all time and made his impact known while he was there and was the best of the best in all of baseball while he was in Arizona. Without a doubt, Greg. I mean, he's not, it's a very, it's a very obvious number one. I mean, his resume is extensive to say the least. Um, and he's 6'10", Greg. 6'10", the big unit. Wow. Like, could you imagine being that tall? I, when I watched Don McLean coming into our Pac-12 Network studios, I imagine what it's like <laughs> being that tall. It's definitely an experience that we'll never get a chance to have in our lifetime. I think you and I are both under six feet tall, so being 6'10 <laughs> is a pipe dream of ours. But yeah, I mean, Randy Johnson was an elite starting pitcher that had his best years in Arizona and an imposing figure you know, with that long flowing hair and his... Yep. No, he's like Shaggy from Scooby Doo. Just a, a fun, loving, just, just a, just a cool cat. Just a cool guy. And how about that one time when he, uh, he hit the bird as he was pitching? That I believe was, they did like a nineteen or twenty year anniversary of that. Uh, this past spring training when he when he hit the bird. By the way, did you know that he's a Pac twelve alumnus? USC. Fight that on. is correct. Yep. Yeah. He is. I, I never thought I would hear you say the USC uh the USC slogan uh coming out of an, an Arizona alum's mouth. That's uh Oh, I'm that, just saying something. it just for Randy Johnson. I'm not saying it to say go Trojans. That was our top ten Diamondbacks. She's Alex Eshelman. I'm Greg Moraz. Alex, really appreciate you coming on today. And uh where can some of the listeners of MLB Morning Coffee uh Go and find your work. Oh, gosh, Greg. Um, They can find it on my social media platforms, just first and last name, Alex Eshelman. And then I also have a website, alexeshelman.com. It's very straightforward. But, Greg, you're awesome. Thank you for having me. This has been such a fun, fun experience just to be on your pod. And uh, everybody listen to this podcast. If you want to learn about MLB or anything that's happening in the baseball world, Greg is your expert. He's fantastic, not only from a professional standpoint, but from a personal standpoint. And uh, thank you, buddy. I appreciate it. Always, Alex, always. And as we wrap it up, if you want to listen to some of our other top 10 lists, already we've got top 10 Giants, top 10 Cubs, top 10 Rays, top 10 Dodgers. This is obviously top 10 Diamondbacks. On Monday, our conversation with a big leaguer, will be on, again, a Minnesota Twins relief pitcher. And as a bonus part of the conversation, a Tampa Bay Rays AAA first baseman. Then on Tuesday, we're going to do top 10 Blue Jays. And then on Wednesday, we've got another big league pitcher coming on our show. So we are going to have a great week of shows again. We are off tomorrow, and then we'll be back for a full week of shows beginning on Monday. This has been MLB Morning Coffee. Have a great rest of your day, everybody. And as always, we'll catch you in the AM.